one. There it is. Good morning. Happy Monday, everybody. We are so excited for another fun show from somebody who's been practicing polyamory for almost 20 years. Here we go. Practicing polyamory. Real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life, flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. Oh, yeah, that's definitely a lot more fun. I'm dancing in the background. I like that music. Um Everybody, welcome. Welcome to the show. Before we jump to the show, I want to quickly ask each of you listening or watching, please head over to YouTube and search for Practicing Polyamory Podcast and hit that subscribe button for me. I got to get to 100 subscribers before I can create a custom URL, and I want to hit that goal before the end of February. I'm at 19 subscribers so far, so if I can get to 100, I will love you all forever. Please help me out. Uh, also, be sure to find, find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at practicing poly a uh and if you'd love to follow there would love that from you as well uh before we continue on with everything else i want to give a huge shout out and a big thank you to my good friend alex gomez who has done the voiceovers for uh both of the shows that i have uh the insurance show and this one uh you can find him if you are interested in uh voiceover services alexito de la voz on instagram so please follow him there um and lastly I want to quickly talk about who I want to be on the show. Um, I'm going to introduce our guest in a moment, but I want to make sure that uh, I, I express this. I, I was thinking about this a lot over the weekend. Um, you, you can kind of almost not see it. Let me just change that. There we go. Um, there's there's a rainbow in the background, right? This rainbow back here behind me. Uh, what this rainbow means to me is that you can find love and acceptance here. Uh, I want to hear your stories. All stories of people who practice polyamory are welcome here. But to my doubly marginalized community, whom I love so much, uh, if you identify as BIPOC or LGBTQIA and also as polyamory, at polyamorous, I especially want to hear your stories if you're willing to share it. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentle dems, let's get on with the show. <laughs> Our guest today has been practicing polyamory for nearly 20 years, so you can bet she's got a ton of stories and experience to share. She is an avid purveyor of savory treats, a person who loves to cook and creates recipes and even writes her own cookbooks. When she's not cooking up a storm, presumably for her polycule, she enjoys talking to people about polyamory whenever she can. She loves to educate those who are open to having their ideologies challenged and sharing her and her husband's story of connection and why polyamory has worked for them. While not licensed professionally, she finds herself often offering uh, relationship advice and insight to her family and friends. I'm super excited to get to hear from this longtime practitioner and basically an expert. So let's get to know our guest, Heather Marie Hinouye. Heather Marie, welcome to the show. That's something I forgot to ask you pre-show. Did I get the uh, last names pronounced correctly? Close? Pretty close, Inoy. Pretty close, Inoy. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It is Absolutely. exciting to have someone on the show who's been practicing polyamory for uh, almost twenty years. That's that's a pretty decent amount of time there. Um, 
if you can go back all the way back to when you started, how did you first even hear of polyamory? How did it become something that you would even think of? Actually, we'd never heard of it when we started. <laughs> we thought oh. we started a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 20 years ago, it kind of was. Uh, I don't have the, uh, the, the information right in front of me, but uh, we all know about uh, the book More Than Two, right? That's like the polyamory Bible, so to speak. And I don't know exactly when it was published, but I don't think that it was quite 20 years ago. And I, that, that might have been one of the first major works published about polyamory. I've never read the book, so ah, I'm not well familiar then. with it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Well, tell me about uh, how you started and, and you know, yeah. your discoveries. Yeah, my, my husband and I met in 99. And one of the first things that we had in common was that we considered ourselves monogamy challenged. We had failed at it repeatedly over the course of our entire dating lives, both of us. And uh, so that was just something that we found in common. We were good, fast friends because we had confidence, someone we could talk to that um, wouldn't look down on us for our <laughs> monogamy-challenged ways. And um, you know, then we foolishly decided to try monogamy, and it was a messy four years for us, a lot of fighting and a lot of breaking up and making up. and. Um, you know, we just couldn't seem to shake each other. <laughs> you know? so. I get that. I totally get that. Um, you know, one of my partners and I, we, we've been split up a, a few times, you know, um, we are married, uh, and we went through first a three month separation, then a one year separation. And then we got another one coming up. That's going to happen, you know, sometime down the line here. Um, a lot of <laughs> dude perfect perfect um but like you're saying you know we're we're we can't shake each other you know and as 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 much as uh you know we know that we're not going to be living together forever and you know quote unquote together forever here um you know there's still so much love between us and i think that that's made possible through what we've learned about polyamory. So you and and your, were you guys married at the time with all of those breaks or was that before you got married? That's basically how we decided to get married. <laughs> oh, okay. We kept because, breaking up and getting back together? Yeah, like just breaking up didn't seem to be working. <laughs> so. That's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not how any of this works. So. For us, you know, we knew that we sucked at monogamy. We mm -hmm. we sucked at it before we knew each other. We sucked at it when we tried it together. And we didn't really know that there were any other ways to do things out there that anybody else had come up with. So we just mm -hmm. had an honest conversation. Like, you know, since we're not going to break up and we've decided that we're it's a forever partnership, that there are no deal breakers anymore, then we have to kind of talk about how this is going to work long term. And so, you know, we came up with this notion that, uh, we should just be honest immediately all the time, no matter if it was going to get us in trouble or not. Mm. But, you know, if I was attracted to someone else, I was suddenly free to say so. And vice versa. It was a magical time oh to just God, come yeah. home from work and be like, you know, so there's this chick I've been talking to and I think things are moving in the right direction and nice. get each other's feelings on it. So at first we started out with a bit of a an idea of like veto. If I decided mm -hmm. I was into somebody 
that he wasn't comfortable with, he, he could veto that. Um, mm. But we never found that that was necessary. Once we agreed on it, you know, it, it never got used. <laughs> so. nice. nice. So it was there like in your back pocket, kind of a backup plan. Yeah. If it, you know, the way that I see it, um, veto in polyamory culture, you know, from what everything that I see and everything that I read, it's kind of frowned upon. Um, but the way that I see it, it's got to be that back pocket, you know, ace up the sleeve just in case you really see your partner getting into a toxic, abusive, you know, hardcore, crazy red flag type of situation. Is that kind of where you guys were were going with it? Or was it just like, eh, whatever, it just never came up? I think that we both wanted to feel like we had some power in the situation initially. Um, because it, like when you first decide something like that, there's, there's a feeling of loss of power that comes with it. And so I think for the pair of us, it was just a way to feel like we still had some power, but that um, decision actually led us to the biggest, like mind blown <laughs> type of concept, which is this, this, what we call now the great monogamous lie of ownership. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know? good. So wow. At, at that time we were, we were still confused and still under that impression that we owned each other. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so, you know, over time and over learning with each other, and again, this is long before we had polyamorous people or websites or, or mm -hmm. resource materials or any of that. We didn't know anybody who had tried anything like it. So we really didn't know what we were doing. We just kind of stumbled through it. And, you know, I think that the things that we tripped into are things that the polyamorous culture and community talk about a lot now. And that's, and one of those prime things I think is, is ownership, but you know, monogamous people will ask us first about jealousy mm -hmm. and, and polyamorous people will ask us first about ownership, you know, and Very it's because we understand how complex a thing that is that we've been taught by our monogamous culture is that once you put that ring on or once, once you mm -hmm. are together in a relationship that you then own each other's decisions, even, where you go to work or, you know, what you eat. Can you imagine? <laughs> like, I mean, it's true. It's true. You know, when, when I think dude, I almost had you, <laughs> I almost had you, I almost had you. Um, <laughs> when I think about like my, my upbringing, right. It was, it was religious. A lot of it was based in, uh, you know, in biblical teachings. And so I go back to, you know, scripture and it goes and says something about, you know, the two become one. Right. And like, those are the things that got ingrained in me uh, in in monogamy. And I really like dangerously, like unhealthily stuck to that, you mm -hmm. know, where, like you're saying, you know, couldn't make decisions about where to eat or where to go or who to hang out with. It was like I was attached by the hip to yeah the person that I was dating or in love with or whatever. And for me, in my experience, it was not healthy, right? For me, it was, it was obsessive. It was, I surrendered to your will. I surrendered to <laughs> the will of everybody that I was dating. That's exactly what it was. And it, it just wasn't healthy. So letting go of that ownership was definitely a huge, huge shift in, in my relationships. Now, you said uh, that polyamorous people ask about ownership, monogamous people ask about jealousy. How do you differentiate those two? 
Oh, they're wildly different. And I, I even have a little chart that I use when I'm talking to people. Oh, do you <laughs> so, have, do you have a drawing of it? <laughs> yes, yes, she does. <laughs> All right. You're going to have to take a picture of that and uh, email it to me later so that I can sure. offer it to uh, the audience. Cause I will definitely love to check that out, but tell yeah. me about it, please. It's really simple to explain. And what we came up with through many hundreds of conversations was that um, jealousy is an emotion that it, that is, you know, com a combination of two other emotions. One of them is insecurity. Let's say let mm -hmm. insecurity is on this side. And let's say that possessiveness is on this side. And mm -hmm. it becomes a sort of a sliding scale, I think, for everybody. Sometimes it's 99% one and 1% 1 the other. And sometimes it's on the other side. But for us, it became really important to separate, divide and conquer, basically. Because possessiveness is a little bit easier for us anyways. It was a little bit easier to conquer that one than it was to conquer insecurities because uh, we had already gone through our ownership conversations and we used to call it like mine <laughs> as a way of making fun. No, don't touch that. It's mine. Right. <laughs> and on the other hand, insecurities, that's something so individual that you have to work on within yourself. And um, I can't remember if it was you or your brother in the first one that said opening relationships amplify amplifies flaws. And mm -hmm. in my opinion, that's what forces the growth. And so you either true. crawl back in your shell and decide you can't do it or you push forward and grow. Yeah, absolutely true. We only we only grow through contrast, right? There's something that's working against us and we have to find ways to overcome. So uh, that was jealousy. How does How is ownership different from that? Well, because he's not a possession of mine, right? He, mm -hmm. He's his life, his entire life, whether we're married or not, is, is up to him. And that includes whether or not to stay married or who who he wants to spend his time with. None of those mm -hmm. things are up to me. Um, you know, I, I don't even want people to come up to me and say, is your husband allowed to come out this weekend? Because I say, let's jump off to go ask my husband. Yeah, but it's but it's so common, right? If, it is. If I'm hanging out with my friends and I or I want to go hang out with my friends and, and have some beers, like, hey, let me check with the boss first, right? right? Like, that's that's such a common phrase. Like, let me let me check with my wife. Let me check with you know the boss, whatever. <laughs> and that's that that ownership. Um, Fine by me. There's there's uh you know some. Some part of that, that, you know, in relationships, we have a give and take, right? Especially if we have children or any other kinds of responsibilities. And even in our polyamorous relationships, you know, we're, our boss might be our Google calendar, right? Well, let me check with the boss. Let me just pull this up real quick and see, you know, see if I'm free that night. Okay, I am. Hmm. So, so there's still a, a level of commitment. I think that we have to our other partners or to other parts of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, but the ownership that you're talking about is really detangling yeah. our relationships or yeah. detangling yeah. our relationship to become individuals. Right. Yeah. I want to double down on that a little bit too, because sure. You know, yes, it's as, it's as if to say that, you know, what you do with your life isn't up to you anymore. And what I want to combat this, that with saying is that, if it was my power to give that to somebody, it's also my power to take it back. Mm. You know, just because yeah. I promised something forever, that's a promise I made that I can keep or not keep, you know? So I guess it's a deeper level of understanding. I can see how the insecurity and possessiveness ties into it, 
Mm-hmm. But to me, jealousy is not ownership. Ownership is a concept that comes from our culture and our society, whereas jealousy is an emotion, which it comes from, from, from my opinion, it comes from the root of the two things, insecurity and possessiveness. And mm-hmm. possessiveness is just part of the human condition. And so is jealousy. You know, they're, they're just conversations, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've been saying it, Miguel. Huh? I've been saying it. And then... <laughs> <laughs> So you you practice this uh, pretty often with some friends, some family. They they come to you. You're yeah. are you seen as kind of a relationship expert? Maybe because you've had a bunch, or because you've managed to keep you know this one going through through non monogamy. Like, tell me a little bit about those conversations that you have with friends and some of the questions that they might have for you. Yeah, you know, most of my friends are monogamous. So the same with my family, the, the conversations mm-hmm. that we have with friends and family are most about one of the unhappy couples or couple members will come to us and be, you know, my husband does this or my wife does this and it's just a big complaint and they need some advice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, they see us as, it's not that we've been together 21 years, it's that we've been together and happy for a super long time, you know. it. On a side note, when some people will say, like, what's the secret to being together so long? The answer is, you don't break up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, not complicated. it's that easy. <laughs> or do not. There is no try. That's it. Exactly. That's it. You there just no don't try. break up. Yeah, so that, just don't break that up. makes so much sense. But if you want to have a happy relationship, well, that's yes. a totally different question, isn't it? Ooh, ooh. Now that's a point. Okay. So what's your secret? How do you keep your relationship happy? We have a ton of secrets, but most of it is just based in kindness. You know, when, when I first got engaged, my mom said to me, um, just be good to each other. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like kind of a boring thing to say. It didn't really make sense to me. That was my first marriage anyway. So it wasn't until many, many years later that I came to understand what a profound sentence that is. Be kind to each other. It's not always easy, mm-hmm. but if your reaction to each other comes from a, a root of kindness, then, you know, that is the answer to a long and happy relationship is to have empathy for each other. Be kind to each other. Even when you want to yell at each other, you got to kind of bite your tongue, listen, hear each other out and understand, accept and understand where people are coming from. That's not so easy. You know, you say Mm -hmm. it like it's easy, but it's not easy. It takes practice. But um, of all the tricks we have, every single one of them is rooted in kindness somehow. So I've got some examples here. I made notes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I love I love someone who's prepared. (laughs) Okay, so when when couples come to us or triads or whatever the case may be, will come to us with questions we have kind of like five little cans that pretty much answer almost any anything. But the most common was is this one, work on you. And oh, yes. it comes from this root of, if I spend all my time telling him what's wrong with him, then he's going to spend his time telling me what's wrong with me. And yeah. that's a stupid way to spend time because I'm old enough to know what's wrong with me. And 
he's old enough to know what's wrong. <laughs> Nobody needs to tell us that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, trust me, I'm my own worst critic. I know everything that's wrong with me. Exactly. <laughs> to, to a detailed point. <laughs> yes, so. yes. Probably better than you do, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, it is a wasted energy to spend time that way. And I think that a lot of couples get stuck there. You know, and what they don't realize is that the way out of that is just what they're hoping for. They want their partner to work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be a good partner, you have to, if you want to have a good partner, you have to be a good partner. Yeah. So if what you want is for your partner to work on themselves and work on the things that are less awesome about them, then you need to do that too, because that's exactly what they want as well. And that's mm -hmm. rooted in that kindness. You know, I don't want yeah. to spend my time fighting I don't want to spend my time telling him what he should be doing. What, and the only way to combat that is for me to go ahead and spend my time doing what I should be doing. And that's ah, working on my own personal growth. That is so powerful. So first of all, come, come from a place of kindness, right? Be kind to each other. I love that. And then secondly is do the work on you. Do the work on yourself. Um, I don't remember if I talked about this before, but one of the big lessons that I've, that I've learned through polyamory is that nobody is responsible for my happiness except for me. Mm -hmm. I, I will not put that responsibility on any of my partners. They are not responsible for my happiness. My parents are not responsible for my happiness. My brother is not responsible for my happiness. I'm responsible for my happiness. And being kind to me is finding a way to be happy. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I, I love I love what you got going on. All right, what's what's your next note? What's your next one that you've got? Well, um, it was it was the kindness note about being kind and having acceptance and patience for each other, and you know not expecting that to be easy. <laughs> it yeah, sounds like it should be, but it really isn't. You know, there's times mm -hmm. where, you know, I feel pretty certain he has said something deliberately to upset me, you know, mm. and as long as I take that feeling and I make that a fact, then it becomes the way I function. And yep. so part of that kindness and acceptance and patience is understanding that, you know, we're going to say stuff that's really going to bother the other person and it's going to start fights and, you know, things aren't going to go well for a few hours or maybe a few days. But in, in the end, the only way to get back from that is to go back to kindness really think about, you know, how you would feel if you were in their shoes and not, not like if I was him, I would do this. I mean, if I was him, I would feel this. Mm, that is absolutely a different way of going about it. Sounds like you were getting a uh, commentary there. Peek in the door. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely a different way of, of going about it. If I was him, I would have done this or I would do this. No, if I was him, how would I feel about this right now? That empathy. Um, I swear some. Mistakes, sorry to interrupt. One no, of them no, is based in spite. One of them, one of them's root is spite and one mm -hmm. of them's root is kindness. Yeah. See what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, it's absolutely true. And I was going to say that, that a lot of times my partners are better at this than I am. <laughs> you know, I, I, can get stuck in my own head and just like upset about whatever it is that's going on or just upset at the situation and and losers always whine about their best so true <laughs> so true right i just get stuck in it stuck in it stuck in it and you know i'm just gonna i'm, I'm not even gonna try and say anything other than i appreciate my partners when they think 
better than I do, when they're able to put themselves in my shoes better than I'm able to put myself in theirs. And, you know, but, but, you know, that's all rooted in that kindness. And I love it. Yeah. I love it. And that's uh, what it's all about. Isn't it great to have more than one person to bounce your feelings off of, you know, right? like in those years where I've had a really close boyfriend or girlfriend to be able to go over and be like, you know, my husband, he's a great man and he's good at all kinds of things, but this particular emotion is not his strong suit. So, mm -hmm. you know, I can show up at a girlfriend or boyfriend's house and simply say, can you help me through this feeling? You know, it's a magical yeah. thing. It's a magical oh thing. And sometimes, sometimes the help isn't like to talk it out. It's just listen. like, listen, <laughs> yeah. or be held or whatever. Yeah. There's, there's like this, this level of intimacy, right. That we have with our romantic partners that maybe we don't always have with friends. And I'm not speaking for everybody because there's a lot of people that are able to, to have this kind of intimacy with their friends also. Uh, but for me and in, in my experience, there's, there's a higher level of intimacy with a romantic partner that, yeah, if I'm, you know, going through something and I can't talk about it with, you know, one partner or one person, I have this other person to lean on. That's polyam benefits. What are the polyam <laughs> benefits? Yeah. What are the polyam benefits? 60% of the time it works every time. Oh, I'd say <laughs> we used to have boyfriend jobs and girlfriend jobs. You know, there's a wife job and husband job, but if the wife doesn't like that job, it turns into a girlfriend job. <laughs> or, <you know>. Nice. <laughs> Nice. That it works. It works. You know, here, yeah. here at our place, um, I'm not a great cook. Um, my partner, she's she does pretty well, but you know, it's it's not like her passion or anything. But her partner, he comes over, and man, we have some really good dinners when you know the two of them are in the kitchen. I'm over here working, and get in my belly. And that's all I got to say. <laughs> I walk outside and I'm like, yep, you guys made dinner. Get in my belly. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. So many, so many benefits. I, I've had a boyfriend, one of my ex-boyfriends, and we're still best friends, but he loves to shop. And so he calls me up and he's like, it's time to go shopping. Let's go shopping. It's not nice. even one of my favorite things to do, but he just considers me the person he wants to go shopping with. So, you know, even still, I mean, that so relationship ended seven years ago, six or seven years ago. And, you know, we still shop. He's still my bestie. So it didn't that, really That's cool, baby. I mean, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. <laughs> you know, and, and I want to comment on that, too, is one of the things that I see um, in polyamory is that we're able to maintain these relationships for longer, even if we do break up, right? It's yeah. we, we, we tend to use a different word. We use de-escalation. <laughs> right, we don't break up, we just de-escalate. So we're not romantic partners anymore, but we can stay friends. And we actually, you know, a lot of times can. So it's a great thing. Um, Heather Marie, I, I wanted to ask you one more thing. What is your biggest takeaway? Like the number one biggest lesson that you've learned uh through polyamory, through you know, figuring it out for yourself because there were no books for you, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have all these resources, so you really had to figure it out. Uh, you and your husband had to figure that all out for yourselves. What's the big takeaway that you would give to people? Mostly just that if, you know, if you want to have a good spouse, you have to be a good spouse. And we were really, really terrible to each other. Those first four years where we were trying to be monogamous, those years leading up to our engagement, you know, I, I wasn't a good girlfriend. 
not even a little bit. And he wasn't a good boyfriend. And so coming to this decision um, that we would just go ahead and live our life in a different way um, than what was expected helped us both really to be better people and better humans and better spouses for each other. So, you know, I think it's not for everybody. Certainly we don't recommend it most of the time. <laughs> you know, like you said about amplifying flaws, it's it's so real and we've yeah. seen it happen so many times that, you know, it's it's not for everybody. It's a pretty small, I think, pool of people who who can succeed at it. And so I just feel gratitude that we're among them. Nice. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. <laughs> yes. I love nice. the choice of movies, you guys. Every single one of them. <laughs> yeah, well, give it give it up to the uh the business bro back there uh at oh, Business yeah. Bros Pod for uh anybody tuning in. If you want to hear some good business advice, check us out on our other podcast at Business Bros Pod. Um Heather, I just want to thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. It's really been a pleasure to get to know you, to get some insight from you. Uh and if you do get licensed or or even if you don't and you start that you know side business of being a relationship coach i will be happy to have you on again so you can promote that sure. uh, so if you do uh make that happen please let me know so you can come back um otherwise is there anything that you would like to share any kind of uh you know if anybody wants to get in touch with you are you open to that if you want to share that if if not that's totally fine yeah. too no no i'm here for anybody anyone in the community in the LGBTQ community, you know, anyone who needs to have an ear that's understanding, I got all the all the time and all the ears. So, where can <laughs> people find you? Um, Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if we can link to that kind of stuff here, but I'm just regular on Facebook, like everybody, I guess. All right, Heather Marie mm -hmm. Inouye. Inouye. Yeah. Inouye. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll we'll definitely uh, post those links uh, in the comment. I don't think it means what you think it means. Oh, what does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> we'll post those links in the commentary uh, on our uh, show notes, all that good stuff. So if anybody wants to, a listening ear, Heather Marie is here for you. Thank you so much, Heather Marie. Absolutely. Uh, Everybody else listening, thank you all so much, as always. Really want to uh, thank our live audience for tuning in today. Um, want to mention that when you're live, we get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for the podcast downloads. If you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday at 2.30 Pacific Time. Or sign up for Patreon, where we're not only going to get a commercial-free RSS feed, but also Patreon-only content like reaction videos and Q&A with our upcoming professional guests. That's right. We're going to have professional guests coming up, like therapists and accountants and lawyers and all that good stuff. Uh, so that's all coming. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe, rate, and review the show. If you want to be a guest, I would love to have you on and learn from you. Go to www.practicingpolyamory.com, make it super easy, or reach out to me on all social media at Practicing Poly A. Uh, that's it. That's all we got. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Everybody, please have a great day. Have a nice day. 
Thank you for tuning in to the Practicing Polyamory podcast. Would you or someone in your polycule like to be a guest? Sign up at practicingpolyamory.com and join the conversation. Please support us by subscribing, liking, and following us on social media at Practicing Polya by clicking any of the affiliate links on our website or by subscribing at patreon.com slash practicing 